Hey everybody, welcome to the 21 Minutes or Less podcast. Today we have a special guest. Her name is Nina Spear and she's actually an attorney. She's a four-time published author. She's a speaker as well as a truth dealer. So she actually has a book coming out this November and it's going to be called Dear Future Lawyer, an Intimate Survival Guide for the Female Minority Law Student. She also specializes in trademarks, copyrights, business formation, contract drafting and review, criminal defense, as well as family law. And she's had the privilege to speak for the University of Alabama Law School, the YMCA, as well as the Black Girl Project. So thank you for coming on our podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. And small thing, guys, so that book has been out in print before. So don't believe that it's just like completely new but the ebook is going to be packed with way more things than even the actual print book so it'll be a new book that you've never seen before um so definitely check it out in november it'll be released um in an ebook format so i am so happy to share a survival guide and journal for the female minority law student again um but in ebook version so i'm doing pretty good today how are you guys I'm good. I I love this book concept. I'm going to actually have to get it from my friend. She's in law school right now. So that's really, really dope that you're doing on the ebook ebook format. Um, so it can be easier for everybody to access. Yes. More people looking at the book or having eyes on it is important. And for those of you who are worried about, you know, the journal option, don't worry. I still got you, you know, because obviously the ebook version of the book won't have it where you can write in the journal because it's ebook. But if you buy the book and you show me you've bought the book or anything like that, there will be a link to how to get the journal pages still. So, yay. So first, you know, you are a lawyer. So can you tell us about, you know, what prompted you to start your law firm? So for me, starting my firm was kind of a force of um, necessity. Um, When I was starting out the practice, I was trying to actually find a job. And I thought, you know, get your law degree, get your law license, do what you're supposed to do, an interview was enough. But if you notice anything about the legal world, um, it's very forced in nature um, on us to be the very top of our class. And if you're not the very top of your class, which obviously I was not, I was a first generation lawyer um, and I had some difficulties when I first started. I had a lot of difficulty also finding a job when I got out. In fact, I found jobs, but the jobs were offering to pay like $22,000 and $5,000 for six months. It was some crazy figures. Um, I think there was one job in Mississippi. If I wanted to go all the way out there, that was a reasonable job, but they didn't hire. Um, They did send me a nice, well-worded rejection letter that they took time to think about. But after about so many job interviews and so many applications, I realized that I was going to have to start something because I needed to pay my health insurance. So um, I was talking to one of my mentors in O. Henry's Coffee Shop. Um, here in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, And she said to me something crazy that I actually applied and just did. Um, She said, I don't really see you working for anyone. I see you kind of owning your own firm with a bunch of women behind you and powerful leaders and things like that. And I was like, "Mm, I think you're crazy. Um, I don't think that's um, in my wheelhouse. And I did it to pay the bills. 
for the first year and I have not stopped doing it ever since. So it was a force of necessity. I needed to work. I had a license. I didn't find a job that was paying me enough money and I got a book and the book that I always quote and people think I'm crazy is um, how to start a law firm for dummies book that I read cover to cover in Kinko's one day. And after I finished reading it cover to cover, I was like, mm, I can do this. And nobody else probably would read that book cover to cover and feel that way. But I just, you know, I, I didn't want to sit and feel sorry for myself because I couldn't find an opportunity. But I also knew that I had to do something. So that's how I fell into that. Thank you. I think that's super cool that, you know, you realized that it wasn't enough um, of what you were looking for in other firms. And you kind of just went and did it on your own. So I know that was something that probably wasn't easy. What's some tips that you could give to someone else that might be in the same situation where, you know, of course, with COVID, it's probably even more limited jobs that fit people's, um, what they're looking for. But what about somebody who's thinking about starting a law firm or just a business in general? What advice would you give to them? So my advice would be to, one, consider all the talent that you possess within as a COVID um, graduate, because that's what you'll be. Um, a lot of my clients are actually starting their own businesses. So think about that. Um, think about what you're doing. There are so many people. I think I've formed maybe eight LLCs since I first relaunched the firm on the transactional side during COVID. And in that, I've also had like three or four trademark clients. And they're all focused on building out their brand and making a name for themselves. And some have got through their 10,000 sale and things like that. And that can be you too. However, it's going to take work. You're going to get frustrated. People are not going to pay up front all the time. And it's going to take a while to build your customer base. But if you think about it from a perspective of you are in charge of your own hours, your own health insurance, all that, that stuff is scary. But it's also deeply rewarding, right, to be able to control or take control over all of those things and not have to rely on an employer to tell you what to do or an employer to limit or cap the funds that you can receive. So I like to think about it like that. If you can't find anything in the market and you've looked and you've tried and you've applied until you're crazy, create it. Don't, you know, just don't sit there and believe that there's nothing else you can do. You can always create a job and it might take a little while. It took me two years before it started becoming truly profitable for me because my first year I made $80. So take your own future into your hands by making something. Um, because you can always create a job. You don't have to always find it. You can create it. Okay. And I know being a lawyer is probably really busy combined with being a public speaker, an author, and of course, a truth dealer. So how do you manage to find a way to make sure you have time for everything and nothing gets dropped? Or even with, you know, being a lawyer, you have a lot of different clients. Like, how do you just find that balance to where you know, you're not always working, you're still able to handle your clients, but also incorporate some self-care. Awesome. That's a good question. I believe in admin day. So Mondays, I don't actually take in any clients. Monday is actually admin day. Whenever I open up, there are a lot of businesses, especially restaurant owners, that close on certain days. And that's the way that they do it to add balance to their lives. So I take Sundays off clearly because it's the weekend and it's the day of the rest. If you read um, your scripture, whatever you believe, that's just what it is, is the day of rest. 
Um, so you have to incorporate at least one on the weekend, I think. And then Monday is a during the week rest day so that I can also go handle stuff for work, take stuff to the post office, run to the bank, whatever I need to do. I do those things on Monday because those are my admin days. So sometimes I'll play catch up with client work this Monday or actually be doing election training because I'm going to be working as a poll worker this election. But what I will say is that you need to give yourself a day. You can't just do it all seven days a week, no time off. You also need to find some workout stuff. Now, the last month, did I find time to work out? Probably not. But September, I killed it. I think I got like 52 miles um, in for my walking at my at my favorite track to go to. So that's the thing. You have to find balance. And the only way you can find it, right, is if you make time. Um, the best way to do it is put it on your schedule. If you know that you need to work out, call it an appointment, right? Walking appointment, gym appointment, hair appointment, whatever you take seriously. You know, we put doctor's appointment on our calendar and take it seriously all the time. So whatever you do it, put it on your calendar and make it a necessity. Like make it something that you can't shake. It doesn't have to happen at that specific time, but you need to do it. And like for for anybody, all you got to do is figure out days where you can take a break. You are not limitless in the fact that you have only seven days in the week. You need two days at least to take a break. I like that idea of putting your self-care in the calendar to make it important like everything else. Because we, we make business important we make like you said the doctor's doctor's appointments important but then we also need to make ourselves important as well so I like that so I do see that you also have a nonprofit. can you tell us like what made you want to start that nonprofit and give back to the community so that's a really cool story um if you go to the website it kind of tells you it's kind of weird um, that I was doing this as a kid, but I was eight when I came up with the concept for the nonprofit. I actually wrote it out and pitched it um, to my uh, executive directors at the YMCA. And at that time, I didn't have like all the people and all the um, support behind it, but I had the idea. And I was like, I want structured learning. I want structured everything. And so I was coming up with plans. I was doing bake sales when other kids were like just playing in the dirt. I was like, can I do a bake sale? And they're like, we're at a gym. And I was like, yeah, but can I do a bake sale? And they're like, go ahead. Go ahead, the entrepreneur you. And now I know entrepreneurship is not just can I do a bake sale. It's more than that. But it's really cool because I was looking at it from a perspective of there's more I can do from a very young age. So by the time I was 23 and I was in law school, I went to a conference and I spoke about um, different things related to diversity. At the end of my talk, I said, if you don't have a mentor, and I stress the importance of mentors, I will find you one. And so many young people came up to me after that conference asking for mentors and connections. And I said, well, I have a plan. And I wrote it back when I was, an eight, when I was eight years old. And I can make this plan happen because I know enough people now. And so I had about five or six people who believed. And we just kind of formed the nonprofit back when I was a 2L, going to be a 3L in law school. So we got together my second semester of my 2L year. And by the third, or the first year, the first semester of my 3L year, we had a nonprofit. So it's been going on since 2016. And it's about long-term continuous mentorship. Um, and what we've done is basically pledge to be mentors for life. So even if for some reason your mentor that we pair you with falls off, my board and I 
promise to be there to mentor you in case you ever need anything along the road, if you get confused or anything. But I usually try to make the pairings in the uh, career field that person is in. And this year, we actually expanded to doing a summer camp. So we did a virtual STEM summer camp for six weeks where we focused on robotics, coding. Um, we also did uh, medical COVID. We did patent law. And we did uh, mathematics and leadership. And that camp was so well attended and so well supported by the people um, once we've actually publicized it that we have big sponsors for next year already. And we're, we're actually looking at almost halfway of our budget kind of being approved um, next year. So I'm so excited because we didn't even, we got a quarter of our budget this year because it was like really quickly launched. I think you have to remember, you can create that. And I was getting frustrated with mentoring companies that I was working for that would basically not stay with the kids or just let us use it as lines on our resume. And I wanted to do more. I hate mentoring a kid and then no longer being in their lives. And I had made a promise to my kid that I found in law school to mentor and the program that I was a part of actually just tried to pair me with a new kid because they lost track of her. And I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with that. And so I decided to make something where you don't have to deal with that, where you don't have to lose kids and lose touch with them. You can actually stay connected with them. Wow. I think that's amazing. Um, especially since, you know, mentorship is huge and it's the way to kind of see what other people are doing, see how you can do it better in the future. And that's really, really important. Um, to be able to give back. And I also see that you said, you know, you failed your bar exam the first time. So what types of lessons did that teach you? So it taught me a lot. The biggest lesson it taught me is that there are a lot of people out there who believe that bragging that they passed the first time means something big to me. In the sense of, in the sense of the word, it's, it's, it's a brag, right? Because at the end of the day, even if I passed or I got my degree, 10 years after you got your degree and we both started at the same time, I still got my degree and I still have high value. And I think that I passed the first time camp forget that just because you passed the first time doesn't mean your story is going to be the inspiring story that people listen to. Most times in life, you listen and you, you know this because this is how people are and this is how you are. You listen, you tune in, you lean in to people who've had hard times, not easy times. It's, it's fascinating, right, to see people who had success right out the gate, but that's not you. That's not reality. That's not human experience. Human experience is, is that we fall, but we get back up. We, we get slapped in the face, but then we, you know, turn the other cheek and keep going. Like, that's human experience. So I learned that I had to stop allowing this automatic success society. And don't get me wrong. Like, I went to Howard University. I'm a proud Howard alum. Um, but the thing of the matter is, uh, those things don't make, um, they don't make you feel bad or good when you go to university. We, we all kind of were the same. Like, everybody was on the same level. But then you go to law school, you get out, and everyone's just, like, elitist, and all the grades matter. But, I mean, I was very successful at Howard. I mean, I was the kid that got high grades, high marks. I graduated with a very high GPA from there. And so I was used to success. And so when I got to law school and I didn't find it, when I got to the bar exam and I didn't find it, when I even got to the LSAT and I didn't find it, I was very, very sad. 
And that's what law school kind of teaches you to be sad if you don't do very well or excellently or don't score above average. And that's not right, right? Because you're still brilliant. You're still fabulous. There's still things about you that all you have to do is learn what it is that everybody else already knows how to do. And you can be immensely better than they are. Even better at seeing, you know, nuances that no one else can see. But no one tells you that. Everyone else tells you that, you know, that's the only way. Um, one thing I did learn that's really important for anybody who's taking the bar exam, it was their first time or they're noticing that the bar exam is a little bit more overwhelming, get a bar exam tutor. If you get a bar exam tutor, that will also breathe life into you. You get a trainer when you want to get in shape. Get a bar exam tutor. I know that's expensive, but if you plan now with your money and, and set it up, right, and you don't spend it on trips and all this other stuff that I wasted my money on, and don't don't think I, I think it's a waste now, but now in, in hindsight, I wish I had invested that money up front because then I would have had an opportunity to have somebody um, tutor me from the very beginning because that's what everybody else is doing. The people who are already ahead, the ones who have automatic success, that's what they're doing. They're finding programs, they're getting tutors, they're getting help, they're, they're making study groups. And if you don't have that in front of you, just find yourself a tutor. If you can't afford a tutor, okay, then the programs that I use, this is all I did. I use, I was a Kaplan Bar rep, Kaplan Bar Review rep. I got Kaplan's uh, course for free because I was a bar reviewer in law school. And that, that, that course has unlimited essay grading. I took the essays from past exams and I actually just did those essays and turned them in limitlessly to Kaplan so I could get my writing straight. I use a Barbary, a Barbary Q&A book um, that I bought, I think, offline from, you know, some eBay vendor or whatever. And I just did the questions over and over again. And that is what I used to study for my bar exam. Like, I didn't go do a bunch of, like, books, critical pass, all that. That was what I did my first time. And I confused the crap out of myself and I stressed myself out. So I will tell you guys, like, the, the simplest thing is strategy. The best thing you can do is find yourself a tutor because the tutor has the strategy, right? And I don't like coming up with strategies for exams I've never taken before. Maybe you do, but I don't. Um, and so what I learned was that find yourself an affordable tutor if you need one or you want me to recommend one. Um, the one I know is the Lawyer Makers Academy. He does uh, do bar exam tutoring, even virtually, I believe. Um, just make sure, you know, you're really worried about your exam. If you're not worried about it, then do the courses, but do way more practice than they tell you. That's all I got. That is great advice. I, I appreciate you saying that just go out and get the help and invest in yourself because that's what a lot of us have to do. Even as entrepreneurs, you have to make sure we make those investments. I heard you say that they teach in law school, you know, to be sad or to pretty much like compare yourself to others and try to be at the top. How were you able to protect your mental health during that time? So I had a mentor tell me this, and this is something you guys should really take to heart. Social media is a very, very toxic culture if you use it to share every win and you also don't share the ups and downs of your journey, right? So in law school, I just didn't share anything. Like I didn't talk about my grades. I didn't talk about my um, scores on the LSAT. I didn't talk about what jobs I was getting. 
And it brought me an immense amount of peace because people made assumptions. Oh, you got that perfect LSAT score. That's why you don't want to tell us absolutely not. That's not what I got. But if that's what you want to assume, that's cool. But I would never talk about the exams. And then after all of my exams, I would actually go in the bathroom and cry. And I kid you not, I went in the bathroom and cried, not because I was sad, but because for some reason, God had me remember enough on that exam to not fail. And that's all I needed to do. And so I went and cried in the bathroom. Nobody knew I was crying in the bathroom. And then I would wipe my eyes and I would leave. And I would put headphones in all the way up until they told us to start the exam. Because I don't want to hear anybody's mouth before the exam. So, I mean, that's that's it. I mean, you just got to you gotta cover yourself or use everything outside of you as a tool to be like, yeah, Everybody else is caught up in comparison. I have to focus on doing what I need to do. I think that's super important. You know, it, when we start comparing ourselves to other people, that's when we start to get disappointed, for sure. Um, so can you please leave our audience with, like, one last gem? It could be, like, anything you feel is going to move them, touch them, um, just somehow help them, whether it's with mental health or entrepreneurship. My big advice to you, um, and I'll, I'll probably catch, couch it in the bar exam, because I know you guys are probably worried about that right now. A lot of people are getting their test results back, and maybe you're not happy, um, is that treat it like a baby, right? It's a baby. Um, you got to take care of, nurture the baby, but no parent knows how to do it perfectly. So there's nobody out there that's doing it more perfect than you are right? There's just some people who understand how to do it and they get it, but no parent is perfect. So nobody has the perfect parenting plan, just like nobody has the perfect bar exam plan. So remember, you are nursing a baby and babies need balance. Babies need sleep. You need sleep while taking care of this baby. That's the bar exam. And then once you're done taking care of that baby, it has a lifetime, right? You have to grow, you have to nurture and put into the profession. Um, what you put into that bar exam. You have to do that every day. The same balance you had to try to figure out during the bar exam, you never stop applying it. So don't think about like the bar exam, you're done. Like the same type of work-life balance that you created for the bar exam, you got to figure out how to create that for your real life because that's what the practice of law is going to be. It's a ton of studying, a ton of figuring things out and not understanding concepts. So Treat like a baby, you know, nurture it, learn, it, read, read books about it. People read books to prepare for babies. So read books, find the law, find the sections. But at the, at the end of the day, don't read everything because when parents do that, they get overwhelmed. So when you do that with your life and your law life, that's what's going to happen. So don't do that to your law baby life. Okay, just allow yourself to read as much as you can, take as much time, but then trust that at some point you just got to let it grow. You just got to let some things go to God. Well, thank you so much. I think that's so important. And can you please let our audience know where they can find you on social media? Yeah, so you guys can find me. My name is Nina on Nina on social media. It's N-E-E-N-A. And then the other name is underscore R-A-N-I. Um, and you guys can also, you know, reach out, DM, let us know how the show went. Um, but if you just want to ask things or you see things on there that you're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know you did trademark. That's so cool. Um, or I want to talk about that mentoring thing you were talking about. Anything. Just reach out. DM me. Um, and you can also, you know, text the firm 205-490-8068 anytime. And, you know, we'll be sure to send you some freebies if you send your name and your email. So just, you know, do that. Um, stay connected. Tell us how the show went. I like to 
tell you guys how, um, you know, you guys can make the world a better place because I believe that if there's people out there that are speaking life instead of always ragging on people's dreams, they'll actually chase them. Well, thank you so much. It was so exciting talking to you. Make sure y'all also go follow our social media pages. Our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is 21 Minutes or Less. And then our YouTube is 21 Minutes or Less Podcast. And go follow our personal pages. Mine is at Keisha Milana. And mine is at Miss Butterfly 21. And we're going to see y'all in the next episode.